friends. Glad you're here tonight. Turn to somebody next to you. Give them a high five. Tell them you're glad they're here. That they made it through the snow. Sweet friends, go ahead and grab a seat. I am very excited for what we have got uh, for, uh, to hear for us tonight. Um, guys, we have a special guest here tonight to share God's word with us. It is an incredible honor uh, and a privilege for us to have join us tonight, the Reverend Dr. Reggie Smith, who I'm going to introduce to you right now. Uh, Reggie, I met for the first time, he doesn't remember this, I'm sure, because I was just a student and why would you remember me? But I remember him because he was teaching a class on preaching when I was in grad school at Calvin Theological Seminary. Uh, and so I thought, wow, this guy is really good at this. Someday I want to be like him. Um, so he can preach. But what he does with his life today is he actually travels in the United States and around the world learning about um, things like racial reconciliation and justice and where is this happening. And then thinking, how do we apply that to our lives here in the church uh, so he does a lot of thinking about the race, uh, not the race, about the church and race, um, and what is the greatest commandment, uh, how does it lead us into a different way of engaging um, with each other and with people that may be different from us. So it is an incredible privilege that he could be here tonight to spend with us. I think one of the great um, uh, gifts that you can give us tonight, Reggie, too, is that you spent 20 years being a pastor right here in Grand Rapids. And... My understanding is you were an African-American man who pastored, especially at the beginning, a mostly white congregation in a Latino neighborhood. You think somebody may know something about how do you live the greatest commandment across racial lines and barriers here in Grand Rapids? I can't think of anyone better to do that than Reggie. So thank you for taking the time to be here and share with us tonight, brother. Would you stand? Can we welcome Reggie to come and preach with us tonight? And uh, I'm just going to say a prayer over you and let you bring it. So, right. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you break down the dividing wall of hostility between us, your word says, God. And so we pray that more of what divides us will be torn down tonight so that more of your love, your grace, your power can take over those places in our lives. So we pray for Reggie that he would be able to speak your word with power and grace. And then I pray for us, God, that we'd be able to hear your word and be transformed by it. Lead us in all of this, Holy Spirit, so that more and more we become like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay. Good evening. Let me say that again. Good evening. I hope you had coffee or, you know, iced coffee and all those kind of things, you know, Red Bull. I don't know what you, which I'll drink nowadays. But, uh, but, I, but I also stand here as a father of a GV, GVSU freshman who just started this year. And uh, she's taking biochemistry, which I know absolutely nothing about. And she can't come to me to ask any questions because I don't know none of that. Now, if you don't know about Joseph or Jacob, I can get into that. But I don't know anything about protons, neutrons, all that kind of crap. But anyway, it's good to be here with you, and I'm going to be looking at Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. 
Hear the word of the Lord. Now, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is the most important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dare ask him any more questions. <clears throat> I have three daughters. Pray for me. <laughs> three daughters. I one who's 24, and, I, and uh, the young lady I just uh, told you about, she has a twin. So I, I am outnumbered in my house. Four to one. So I'm glad that I have a basement I can go to and escape all the estrogen in the house because we need that. But I remember when, I, when my kids were, were very young and we, we had a van, this big white van, and they would always sit in the back. Both of the twins would sit in the back. And my oldest would sit up in the front because, you know, she's the oldest and thought she run things. And they would sit in the back and they, I would hear these Stuff behind, way in the back. She's touching me. No, she's touching me. This goes on for about 10 minutes. Now, if you have brothers and sisters, you've probably acted this out or just asked your parents about this. I'm sure that they have stories about you doing this exact same thing. And it went on, and I said, you know what? There's going to be the imaginary line. You stay on your side, and she'll stay on her side. Now, none of you can cross that line. Is that understood? Mm-hmm. And it worked. It worked. The imaginary line right through the middle of the van kept one on her side and kept the other one on her side. All was well in the Smith residence. You could say that this young man, who we read in our text, he has an invisible line about how he lives his life. He loves living on the border. And living on the border is the way in which he lived most of his life. He's a smart guy, probably a biomed major, probably got a 4.0, one of these guys who takes extra classes just for fun. Don't you love those kind of people? And he always sat on the boundaries of really good debates. And so he spent most of his life hanging around the boundaries. So when there was ever these fantastic debates that were going on, he was right on the outskirts, just kind of like an observer, taking it all in, but never really being involved, right? And so this time Jesus shows up, 
And again, he's on the border listening to the Pharisees and these other wonderful religious professors shooting questions at Jesus. And Jesus is just knocking them out like boom, boom, boom. Come again, boom, boom, boom. Like he's the Matrix or something. He's just knocking stuff out of the park. And this guy finally, he says, I'm going to get enough courage to be able to ask Jesus a question. Remember that he spent most of his life always on the outside, always on the boundaries. He never wanted to get inside because then things would change. He he spent most of his life always on the boundaries of life. When you spend your life on the boundaries of life, it's safe. It's certain. You don't have to get involved in much, in much other things. And he liked it like that. But this time, he was going to take a little risk. And he asked Jesus this question. Of all the commandments, which one is the greatest? Now, we all live in a time in which we are always ranking things, right? Right now, you know, Facebook got started because it started because it was about ranking young ladies. That's how Facebook got started at Harvard. Ranking. And we rank things all the time. You ever heard of polling? Polling. Just say yes. <laughs> it's okay to talk. We're going to have a conversation tonight. Y'all going to talk to me. You will not be the frozen chosen tonight. <laughs> and so this young man, he liked having to rank which are the important commandments and which he was to follow. Is it do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. He wanted to know how could he live his life in such a way in which he would bring honor and glory to God and that he would fulfill the will of God. He just, he didn't want, you know, the bottom five of the ten. He wanted the top five. Which of the top five do I have to be concerned about in order to live the kind of life that would be pleasing to God and that I would be acceptable to all the people in my life and that they will all speak well of me? Don't we all want to be liked? Don't we all want to be accepted? It is only when we have to think about our competency or think about the things in which people would admire us for. I want to know the top two things in which I can be admired. That's what this young man is living on the border trying to do. How? Can I be accepted and still be able to maintain that invisible line in which life would be safe? We now live in a context in which the church finds itself divided. The church is divided and it's divided along racial lines. And it has been more polarizing since the 1960s. More polarizing since the 1960s. People have developed lines, whether you are a 
Republican or Democrat, or whether you are black or white or Asian or Hispanic. We seem to like lines in which we live on the borders of life because it's safe, it's certain. Can you live there for very long? Jesus is trying to nudge this young man to step from behind the borders and to step into a different place, in order to step into a brave place. But why do people live on the borders anyway? Why do people pick safe spaces in order to not get involved or be pulled in into the arena of life where things may be a little complicated, confronting, conflicting? Well, I think this young man, he wanted to live on the border because as long as his life was straight, he didn't have to be involved in messiness. I don't know about you, but I think that most people, church would be wonderful if it wasn't for people. I think church would be absolutely wonderful if it wasn't for stinking people showing up. But they do. And I remember... Uh, in my church, um, we, had a gang, we had a gang house that was just across the street from our church on Granville Avenue. And there had been several shootings that day. And I said to my congregation, I said, we're going to go out on this Sunday. We're going to cross Granville Avenue, and we're going to circle that church, and we're going to pray for it, even while the gangbangers are there. At least that's what I thought. So on that hot Saturday, that hot Sunday, after I finished my sermon, I said, now, people of God, let's go out. Let's cross across, go across the, the uh, parking lot, across Granville Avenue, and we're going to circle this house, and we're going to pray like we never prayed before. Don't be so worried about your safety. Jesus was, it was, it was, it will be there. And after I finished and I grabbed the hand of my wife, and I walked across out of the church, and I walked across that parking lot. I had no idea. I didn't think anybody would be following me. They said, Pastor had lost his mind. If he think we're going to be crossing the street, taking on gangbangers, and we ain't packing no heat. <laughs> but as I got about halfway through, about 70 people were following me. And we crossed that street, and we circled that house, and began to pray. The gangbangers came out and they began to mock us. Would you be afraid too? Not knowing exactly what would happen? We didn't know what was going to happen. Were we afraid? Absolutely. Do we know what the result would be? Not a clue. Sometimes in life, taking a courageous risk out of the borderland scares you half to death. It goes against everything inside of you that says either flight, either run, or take the risk, even though you don't know exactly what will happen. This young man decided he would never take that risk. Because to take that risk was uncontrollable. To take that risk would throw things in whack. 
Have you ever been challenged to do something that breaks you or steps outside your comfort zone and you did it anyway? The hardest thing to do is to calm your own fears in dealing with people who have messy lives. That young man didn't want to deal with people who had messy lives. He wanted them to be nicely tied and solved and taken care of, as if there was an app for that. You can stay on the border if you don't want to deal with messy people. Also, what's important to him is worship. You guys worship. I'm just back there watching. And y'all, y'all, y'all right. Y'all right. Swain, you didn't hit nobody. Nobody was injured. That was amazing. Well, this young man, he, he, he loved to worship. He loved worship. He loved singing the Psalms. He loved singing Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He loved opportunities to pray. He probably prayed people out of the synagogue. He probably helped all kinds of people who were in his community. As long as they were in his community. Now, Mark doesn't tell us what happens when he is not worshiping. When he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I am sure that he was a worshiper, magna cum laude. Got the little tassel and everything. He was great at it. But Mark also doesn't tell us what was he like after worship. I notice that people are sometimes different once they leave worship. Sometimes we're not, we're really good in worship and not so good once we get out of worship. How many of you, if you raise your hand, you just gotten out of worship and you end up doing something that you regret? Oh, every hand should be up. How many sinners do we have in the house today? Put both your hands up and wave them like you just don't care. Because we, 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 all, we all have that, that instant where we, you know, you have this one side of us that we really think is great, and there's this other side of us, you know, you got some problems, you got some issues. Everybody got issues. Maybe this young man has some issues. He was great in worship, but maybe he didn't step outside the border. Maybe when he met other people. Maybe when he met Gentiles or Samaritans. Maybe he treated them a little bit differently than those who were a part of his tribe. Sometimes the hardest people to love are the people who know Jesus. Because sometimes we have the curse of knowledge. We know so much that it really becomes bad. Maybe this guy was really great at worship and maybe not so good at stepping beyond his boundary of those who are maybe more a little different than him, who maybe saw the world a little bit more differently than he did. And then Jesus asked, and then they read, and love your neighbor as yourself. I lived next door to 
I, I don't know what to say. Uh, they were hellions. And I'll say it this way. I uh, was uh, coming home from, some, from Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, because I, pre- I usually pray in church before worship. And when the time that I got back home, there was police yellow tape around my house and around the house next to me. Police cars clogged up the street. Neighbors are outside whispering to one another. I had no idea what had happened in those moments until my wife told me that my next door neighbor got shot at. Seven rounds hit his house. Three rounds hit my house. My in-laws called me and said, you need to move. Because you have three daughters. And we would be more than happy to have you move with us to Genesis. So here's the question. What would you do if you were in my shoes? Would you stay? Or would you take my in-laws up on their offer? Don't answer that just yet. What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? For that young man to hear those words, as long as his neighbor was just like him, look like him, talk like him, behave like him, that was his neighbor. My next door neighbor, who is from Mexico, said, Pastor, what are you going to do? If you leave, I will leave. And my neighbor across the street from the Dominican Republic said, Pastor, if you leave, I'll leave. Very often, we don't know that the very people who are watching us are watching us so closely to see do our values match up with our behavior. And very often, when push comes to shove, our values don't match up with our convictions. It is easy to love God with all of your mind when it's just all of your mind, intellectually and rationally. That young man who makes this question to Jesus is asking the same question. Loving my neighbor means loving someone who's just like me. That's what it means to love myself. Jesus notices it. It says, you have answered well, little grasshopper. You have done well. You get an A on the test. You make the dean's list. But Jesus was pushing something a little bit more. He was actually pushing him to step outside the boundary, the invisible line that separated him from his neighbor, that separated him from his convictions, that separated him from maybe situations which would push him beyond what he could actually back up. 
He was actually pushing him to step out from beyond the boundary and step into a brave place. How many of us, maybe God has been whispering to you, you need to step from behind the boundary into a brave place. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus needs some brave people to do brave things in an unbrave world. It is so easy to follow Jesus from behind the screen or page or a little Snapchat. Jesus is asking this young man, step from behind the screen, step from behind the boundary and get closer to the kingdom. You see, because spectator discipleship is really not discipleship at all. Jesus wants this young man to get in the game. And to get in the game means simply this, three things. It means that we are willing to step into the brave place of suffering. We are willing to step into the brave place of suffering. I'll go back to my story about my neighbors asking me if I would stay or not. You see, if, if I would have left after living there for almost 15 years, those neighbors who I just told you about would have left. And I would have said to my neighbor next door, you win. The gangbanger wins. But the last time I heard, Jesus is bigger than the gangbanger. Last time I heard, we have a Jesus that even if harm was to come to us, that it does not have the last word. There's something about my God that says that maybe when we stand for something, others will stand too. That something rises out of us that says we will not make safety our idol. Sometimes us Christians make safety the most important thing in our lives. Let me let you in on a little secret. The moment that you do that, you never get it. It is like the elusive unicorn. Looks good on your T-shirt, but it still don't exist. I'm just saying, just saying. Jesus is asking this young man to step from behind the boundary and step into the arena of having others' suffering be a part of your suffering. Sometimes we don't know how much power and privilege we have until we lose it. And the one thing that challenges that is walking with other people suffering. I believe that's where the church really needs to be in the middle of. How do we stand, as we just said, standing with those in human trafficking, standing with those who've gone through Ferguson or Charlottesville, standing with those who go through racial profiling, standing with those on the border in Mexico? It's not about doing another GoFundMe thing. It's rather standing with those in solidarity who are experiencing injustice.
I don't care about your money. I care about your presence. Will you be with me in my suffering? Have you ever had a chance in your life when you are going through something tough and people come beside you? That's when you know they love you. When people stand with you in your pain. For those, when we think about racial justice, how do we stand with those in their pain? When it's not convenient. The second is this, that worship and justice are connected. Worship and justice are connected. This young man did an awful lot of worshiping. And Jesus is really pointing that out and saying, yes, that is wonderful, wonderful, great. But he disconnected it from justice. And if you were an Israelite, saved from Egypt, and that story was told to you over and over again through your forefathers, your parents, your grandparents, We were once slaves in Egypt, but God heard our cry, our cry for justice, and he came down with a mighty hand and rescued us from Pharaoh's hand that our people walked right through the Sea of Reed. You see, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength is the compact theological statement that says that we didn't save ourselves God saved us. God heard our cry and he did something about it. God made us a people when we were no people. God is always doing something with us that we don't deserve and still uses us and says, tell and do that to someone else. That's what it meant to be a light to the Gentiles, that they would also be a people who care about injustice and was willing to step into the fray when others experienced the exact same thing. Was that man, that young man, going to take a step into a brave place or he could step back behind the border where it's safe? Where is Jesus nudging you to step into a brave place? Maybe he's put somebody on your heart and mind. Maybe you've been avoiding it. Maybe you just said, I'm just ignoring it. La, 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 la. I do not hear it. But the spirit won't let you go until you do it. It's kind of like school. You don't, to get, you don't get to go to the next grade just because you're older. Jesus will make you repeat the course until you get it. Somebody say amen. Or you just say ouch. <laughs> Where is Jesus nudging you, inquiring you? Who is the person you need? he's calling you to connect with? and to get in with their fight. Find a good fight and get in it. That's what Vernon John said, who was the precursor for Martin Luther King before he came to the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. Find a good fight 
and get in it. And he promises, I will be with you till the end of the age. What happened when those uh, crazy people followed me to the, to the house? You want to know what happened? Nah, you don't care. I'll tell you anyway, because I'm old. And uh, so after they, we surrounded the house and began to pray, I noticed something happening with each person. They began to grow in their courage. How do I know that? They started singing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That say a wretch like, ooh, I was, was, but now I am. What else? <laughs> See, you what you just. I could, you about to keep going. I have to shut you down. Shut you down. They started singing that song. And for the first time, I saw 70-year-old women skipping across the street. I just hoped that they didn't break a hip. Because you know that's liability, right? You know that's liabilities. You want to think about liability. Where is God asking you to get in the good fight? Where is he asking you to come from behind the borders and to step into that brave place of racial reconciliation, social justice? Because when you do, something amazing happens. The world changes. The world changes. And the church lives up to what she was meant to be. A drum major for righteousness and peace. Amen. Pray with me. Dear Lord, maybe we have been so comfortable living on the border of our own walk with you we avoided hard conversations with people and neighbors who are different than us. We sought places of refuge, of certainty. We didn't want our rituals interrupted. But Lord, you are calling us beyond what we think, beyond what we know, beyond maybe even what our own experience is. And you're asking us to step into that brave place, that brave place in which you are asking us, will the church be the church? Will the church be more than what the culture is and just mirror the polarization that, ha that is happening? Will we stand beside those in solidarity who are asking us right now, Please come and get in this fight. This fight for justice. This fight for those who are experiencing racial profiling. For those who are being judged for being a different hue or color. That the church will move beyond 
its own 11 o'clock ritual and be a church, be an ecclesia for all people, for all nations. And Lord, you've called this, this church, this gathering of Christ followers to do the exact same thing. Lord, make us, make us step beyond the border and step into the brave place and that we will not make safety our most important value and that we would walk with those who are experiencing suffering. Use us, Lord. Use us. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen.